it's normal for you and your husband to be in these hard places. You're actually quite normal. Hey everyone, welcome to the Wife Like Me podcast. I'm Amanda Davidson. Hey, I'm Kelly Brinkman. You know her, you love her. If you've been around a wife like me for any amount of time, you know her. And so this is going to be fun. This is a great up. I'm already pumped for this episode. Number one, I love Debbie Taylor Williams. She's the one that wrote this blog and she kind of laid it all out there. Like her best tips from a wife who's been married for 44 years. So number one off the bat, I love her because she's kind of like a mama to me. Like I've got, I go to her sometimes, like if I have questions or She's kind of like that mentor mama to us, all of us. And so she's sharing like every, like her best things that she wants all of us to know in this blog post. And so we're going to talk about it. It's going to be so good. I'm excited. I love that sitting down and talking with someone who's been married for that long, like obviously they're doing something right. Let's just do that. And that's a characteristic of the Lord. It's not so much listen to a person's words as it is their actions. So someone that can come with that level of credibility, yeah, she definitely caught my attention when I read this post. Yeah. Yeah. So pretend like she's just sitting with you and having coffee, sharing this with you, with all of us. And the very first thing that she shares with us, we're just diving right in today because we're going to talk, we have a lot to share on what she shares. So number one tip that she wants to give us, she writes us, never give up. It can get better. She says, watch out for these three times. Number one, when unresolved issues are building up inside. Number two, escalating an issue when you're in the heat of an argument And number three, the time following an argument. She says, during these times, your marriage can seem hopeless. Us wives are vulnerable to to believing the worst, that things will never change, that we can never forgive, that we'll never be forgiven, or that it's over. She says, stand against these thoughts. So she's right. Um, I, how I wish someone would have told me that day one of our marriage, mm-hmm. like watch for those three times, unresolved issues, they're building up. You haven't resolved them, escalating an issue in that, in the moment, in the heat of an argument and the, the, the time following an argument. Oh, so good. We can make that argument last longer too or even a period of silence that you think is you're trying to justify is okay, but really it's coming across as seething anger. Silence in that way yeah. is not so good. And looking back, I mean, for us, this is exactly like, these are the, I mean, I would say probably for most marriages, right. But this is for sure. Like the most difficult time for me as a wife, when you know, we just can't get on the same page when there's something still unresolved. He's still frustrated or I'm still frustrated about about something. Um, and we're just not on that. We're not, we haven't resolved it. So we feel off. Like we're not, you know, we're just uh, hard to find the words, right? Yeah. Um, and so 
then what happens in my brain, I start telling myself a story and I start believing that story, you know, that he's never going to understand. He's, we are always going to look at this differently. Uh, since you look at this differently, you probably shouldn't be married. Your marriage is going to be awful because you can't see this the same way, blah, 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 right? You name it. It comes in my mind. And it's just a really tempting place. The enemy loves to keep us there and to keep us ruminating on that. So to hear what we're talking about now, even if you're not in that place, especially if you're not in that place, if you and your husband are pretty okay right now, Hearing it, hearing this right now helps you when that happens again. Because, P.S., also just because you're a Christian, assuming you listening, you're a Christian, if, if you're a Christian, it doesn't safeguard you from having uh, difficult, unresolved issues. Hello. I know nobody talks about that. So, you will have that again. And when that happens, remember to watch out for that time during it. It's, it doesn't mean that your marriage is, you know, broken, awful, doomed, nothing. It's normal for you and your husband to be in these hard places. You're actually quite normal. So how right. you, how you navigate that, you know, you can do that maybe in a different way you haven't done in the past and it's a God honoring way, but just, just know that it's okay if you are in that place. So. Yeah. And I think it's, it's hearing that from you, Amanda, but also knowing your heart that we're hearing that from the Lord too. And again, measuring our own thoughts and feelings, or perhaps what we're hearing from the world, measuring that against God's word and Ecclesiastes three, you know, the beginning of that verse comes to mind. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens not all of these are actually pleasant, right? Yeah. But God says, hey, I do allow for these times. There's a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to tear down and a time to build. So God very much acknowledges that things are not smooth sailing. And when you get like the Christian card, which you don't, I'm just saying when you become a Christian, you don't sign up for a life that's like smooth sailing. You sign up for a life where God says, I'm going to link arms with you and do this life with you. In fact, follow me through it. And just knowing that it is perfectly normal to have tough seasons in marriage and to have those days or those times when you feel off. I was really comforted by Debbie's words in that too. And she did talk about the time following an argument she talks about even stopping our thoughts and I'm preparing to speak at a conference later this spring and the title of the conference is re and R E. And so those words are top of my mind right now, even as I pray and prepare to remove thoughts and to replace thoughts with truth. So those times when we feel tempted to like start to spiral out of control and come up with our own story, I believe you said, is to stop, remove those thoughts and to replace them with truth instead. Mm. Really gets us to a place where then we can actually address the issue with ourselves, with the Lord, and maybe our husbands, but I have to go with the Lord first. Yes. Oh, so true. And that, you know, speaks to what Debbie was saying again to be watchful of that next sort of situation where 
we can escalate an issue when in, in the heat of the argument. And I think that happens, Kelly, because we aren't doing what you just mentioned. We are so wired to respond and engage in communication in the ways we were brought up doing and watching and seeing. So we model what we know. And if we grew up in a house where there was no communication or it was unhealthy, um, we are just trying to do the best we can. But the ways that we can rebuild, playing on that reword and remove is like, in order to even, and I love the scripture you shared because there's a time to tear down what's not working. And so if when you and your husband communicate about a certain issue or communicate at all, it gets escalated and you just rah, 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 until nothing comes and 5,000 other issues come up from it. Okay, hold on. Why don't we stop a minute, pause and decide, I don't want that a part of this anymore. Like, let's tear that. It is not working. That's a wall there. We need to tear that down. It is building a wedge within us. It's dividing us no more. So like, you know, maybe for some of you, it's when there's an when we're on a different page, when there's an issue we're not seeing eye to eye on or we're frustrated about something, maybe it's that we do just pause and like you said, actually go to the Lord first and say like, well, what is going on in me? Even if I'm 100%, which this has happened to me, I mean, more than a lot of times, um, even if I'm 100% sure and certain my husband is wrong and he what he said was rude or mean or whatever, or like, that's not okay or whatever. Whatever the situation is, I know I'm right. I have to, that's when actually I know I need to go to the Lord even way more than normal because what is going on with me that I am so sure and certain that I've got this 1000% right. (laughs) And like, you know, and so maybe it's just, that's a new rhythm that you can work into your marriage is like, when my heart rate starts going up, when we start being um, uh, disrespectful to each other. If you need a communication guide, when you sign up for our email at awifelikeme.com, when you get our sign up to get our weekly email, you get all of our free resources. One of them is the communication, a conversation guide. It helps you pause. So you go into a conversation ahead of time on the same page, knowing if one of us becomes disrespectful, becomes Uh, angry becomes whatever, we agree to pause and come back at a later agreed to time. And so this, I I mean, like, wow, again, if we would have known this day one of marriage, like, so helpful, so helpful. Right. So good to begin to replace, replace bad habits with good habits. And I, and really guarding that time before or after an argument. So really wise, Debbie. Thank you. And I just want to note something else. When she says, watch for the time following an argument, I learned in my ongoing years of counseling, am still learning that we, the time after an argument is often difficult because the argument is actually still unresolved. So oftentimes as Christians, we don't even understand or have an understanding of what resolution actually even is and what that feels like within marriage. So we are, 
we have not been taught and we we don't talk about what that resolution is. So sometimes if the time following an argument feels hard, it's because we haven't actually resolved it. And so maybe it's, again, reframing our, our thoughts to think there's something wrong with us, but maybe perhaps we could learn for the first time, possibly, how to actually resolve what we actually were talking about. Maybe we don't know how. And so maybe it's that you need counseling. Maybe you dive into the Wife Like Me Collective. Maybe you just need that conversation guide that I was just talking about. But I just, you know, resolution is unity. Does not mean we are unified in our thoughts or opinions or viewpoints, but it is unity in our even um, ability to respect how we see things differently. And so that resolve, we just need to be taught how to do that is my point. So if you don't know how to do that, dive into that, lean into it. And I'm learning too. Yeah, but we all are. We're all still learning on that. So don't feel like you missed out if you feel like you have to relearn things. That's that's all of us, right? That's like every, every day, every minute. Right. <laughs> That's why we need wise people like Debbie and mentors, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. She we goes on to say, rein in imagination. Like she was saying at sometimes she felt like, oh my gosh, my husband's having an affair because it's, he's late at night or he's late home. And she went and drove by the office and I'll be darned. There were a lot of people there for a meeting, right? <laughs> when, well, she gave that as an example. And I think, you know, I'm always one, I'd like to peel back. And if I'm experiencing those feelings, I have to go to the root of that, which might be, I don't, it might be worry. It might be insecurity. It, whatever those feelings are, I find I'm so much better if I actually look at my feelings and then go back and say, why am I feeling that? If I step back about two or three levels, then I get to the root issue. So that I'm not, it comes across as perhaps anger or worry up here in the relationship with Mark. But if I peel back and I can get to, well, I feel worried or insecure um, either in myself or in our relationship. And if I address those things, then the rest kind of takes care of itself because of gone back to that seed where that comes from. Does that resonate with you? Yeah. And it also tells me that like it gives, I think, us permission to be vulnerable because I have a really sweet friend who she makes this comment a lot about the stories we tell ourselves. It's based on some book. I can't remember what it is, but essentially it's okay also to, you know, go to God with that and go to your husband because that that's an invitation to our husbands to respond to us where we're at. And it tells them like, shows them the vulnerable place that we might be in or thinking in. So like, for example, you know, you could go to God and say like, this is the story I'm telling myself that, you know, my husband's home late and that I'm fearful that he's having an affair. Um, Even if the Lord like, just gives you peace or something, it's okay to also go to your husband and say, the story I'm, I was telling myself tonight was that because you were home late, you must be doing something on the side or like you must be cheating on me 
I know that sounds crazy, but that was a story I was telling myself. And I just think, I just, I don't know. I need, I need like affirmation or something from you because I'm feeling really like insecure about that. And I'm not even sure why I know it's maybe not like valid, but that's just where, what I was telling myself tonight and Mm -hmm. allow him then to speak into that and, and just also show you like, or tell you what he does, you know, um, not in a needy way, but just like in a close way. Like I'm sharing this with you because I love you and I don't want to think that I know it's not even true, but I'm just, I'm like feeling insecure right now. And that's okay too, to do that. Yeah. That's a really good way to approach the conversation depending on your marriage and kind of how, how that works. But sometimes leading with that, I feel when you, because, you know, some Mm -hmm. of those like conflict resolution skills or um, those conversation starter, the conversation guide that, that you all have offered those are real like starting places when you're overwhelmed and thinking, I don't even know where to go. Yeah. And it's true. It's true. What Debbie says that our imagination is like, not helpful. Hello. Yeah. So be, be mindful about our imagination. And knowing where to stop those feelings too, and align them again instead with truth. Uh, She goes on to say, pray instead of nagging. Um, I don't know if she was talking to me here. Did it feel like she was talking to you? Yes. <laughs> I feel like, you know, we're, we're prone to that. Sometimes our communication can get into nagging and we have three small children. And so sometimes nagging can feel like the town I live in and I'm like, hold up. Okay. So instead, you know, I have ways to kind of get me out of that as a mother, um, but ways to get me out of that as a wife, you know, she talked about, don't verbally vomit over your husband. And even in scriptures, you know, God talks about a nagging wife can be like the worst thing under your roof. Instead, she's saying, let's change that conversation, not only to remove nagging, but to actually pray for him instead. So I feel like she just went like, and there's Jesus, bam, and walked away (laughs) because it's really the solution. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Proverbs 30 verse 32 says, do not confess that negative thoughts, do not confess that negative thought in your mind, rather speak life to every situation around you. And that has been super helpful. Not again, I am not one to be like, you girl, you just deny reality, girl. Like you just pull up your bootstraps and be happy with what you have. Well, I mean, not not necessarily. Like we actually, though, can change our environment and the situation by speaking life into it. So I've had, had, again, as I was learning and still am learning, but like for sure right at the beginning of like, what what does that mean? What the poop are you talking about? When my husband, he was gone for seasons. This is just a very, um, very practical way I would do it. In my heart, we'd be eating dinner and I'd be cranky inside like, I wish he were here. Why does he have to be at the farm so late? I don't like this. I am home alone with them. I don't like this. You know, repeat, repeat, repeat. In that moment, okay, I'm going to actually practice this. And I would start saying to my kids out loud, your daddy loves you so much. And like at first, I've, I've shared this before. At first, my heart is like, mm. and I'm like, your dad loves you so much. And I'm just right. like, Scared, and, scared yourself. Then, yes. Yeah. 
Uh-huh. And then I keep saying like, he works so hard for us and he loves farming and he loves us. And right now, farming needs daddy at the farm so that we can get the crops out of the field. And like, as I'm talking out loud and saying like, your, your dad is a man after God's own heart. Like I am like speaking life to, into my heart, into the situation and about my husband and I'm believing it. And as I'm saying it, I'm believing it more and I'm believing it more. But, um, so that, that is very, and, and you can do that in his presence. Like, again, you're not like, I'm not saying deny reality that it's hard. It is hard. And your daddy loves us and he wishes he could be here. And, you know, so like, it's just different. And so like, even with the nagging, um, I don't know about you, Kelly, but the hardest thing for me, especially when our kids were super young, was that the house stuff, that's where I would become naggy. Like, you're not doing what I'm doing. Therefore, I'm going to nag you so that you work as hard or see what I'm doing and do it for me instead or help me with it. Or what, how would, does nagging kind of creep into your marriage? Yeah, I think it can creep in there or feeling like you're not seen or does anyone care that I'm doing this or is there any value in that instead of looking for that validation from him or those in my life instead saying, Lord, wait a minute, is this a task that you have for me? And furthermore, viewing it as I get to, you know, it's doing the dishes. It's instead of saying, oh gosh, I, you know, I have to do the dishes again. It's saying on good days and in good moments when I remind myself that of that, like I'm going to do them so that he doesn't have to when he gets home so that we're more freed up to spend time together. And I'm going to do it and use this as a time to say, thank God for all the food that we had. Thank you for the studio because where I get to make these dishes. Thank you for the friends that came over and we got to hang out together. So instead kind of flipping that on its head, which is, the Lord does that all the time. You know, he says that he takes the the foolish things of this world and and makes them wise. So using that same concept, hey, hit me with that verse again, Pro- Proverbs 30, what was it, 32? It is 30, chapter 30, verse 32. 30, okay, 32. thank you. Because I mean, I'm walking with you, but I'm always learning with you. So I'm going to oh, go back to that too. I have to say that Ice Cube probably says it best when he says, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Okay. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You might need to review the lyrics on that. I wouldn't go too far into the song. If you stay with just just that chorus, that's going to really help propel you past some bad moments and some things you want to say, some stories you want, you want to keep spiraling, but if you go, hold up, check myself before I wreck myself. Right. And so to not go too far, certainly using scripture, but that, that song comes to mind too. And to speak life, like you said, out of Matthew, um, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And so when you choose to speak life and you're sitting with your kids at dinner and you're saying those things, you're choosing life and choosing to speak blessing over him instead. And that gets you far further down the path to being closer together. And those, we just have to be so mindful of our thought life. And 
as Debbie was talking about that, how that can just infiltrate everything we do. So instead that if we can walk away with the one skill, which is to stop, remove those thoughts or remove that line of thinking and to replace them instead with truth or to say, oh gosh, I'm, I'm starting to think this. Here's a story, this narrative. I'm telling myself what he could be doing instead. Say, whoa, I think I'm starting to tell myself a different story. I'm just going to stop there. I might not even know how to replace that with truth right now until I talk with him, but I'm going to stop it right there. That alone can save so much heartache in and anxiety in our own hearts and minds and in our marriage. I mean, we're talking about how to benefit your marriage. And sometimes we say, wait, what about me? Well, that's one way that you can benefit yourself like today and for the rest of your marriage, which is to stop and remove those, those untrue thoughts. Yeah. I, you know, in the a wife like me collective, we read scripture together and we just, you know, I keep, we've moved past, we're in first Samuel right now. Well, not, not when this airs, we will be in, I think second Samuel, but, um, we just read first Samuel chapter one at the beginning of, of January. And, but I, I can't, like, I keep going back to it. And it's a story of Hannah and how do you say it? Penina, 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 whatever. I don't know. However you say that. But in first Samuel chapter one, Hannah can't have kids. Penina can. And so this is what it reads in, uh, for Samuel chapter one, verse six. So Penina would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Year after year, it was the same. Penina would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. So um, I just, I've been like, the Lord has been showing me, you know, in what ways are you um, listening to the taunts, you know, from the enemy, from even what, what are you even taunting yourself about? And like, how are you like, I mean, how awful and, and just like, you know, kind of revealing that. So that might be something too, to just begin to be mindful of is like, in what ways am I, I'm calling it in my mind because the Lord gave me this like dating the devil. Like I'm, I'm, I'm going on cheap dates with him right there because I'm allowing to go back with this abusive boyfriend, which I'm referring to as the boy, as the devil and like, listen to more of his junk that he's got to tell me. And I, why am I even listening to him? Like, why am I even going back to him? What the heck? You know, I'm like, whatever, just, and what's the scripture? Um, oh my land. What is it? Is it Timothy first? No. What is it? Peter or whatever. Um, the enemy has to flee, submit your, um, submit yourself to God Almighty, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. And the enemy has to flee from you. Um, and so, like, you have that authority, wife, to rebuke the enemy, and he has to flee from you because you belong to God Almighty, Jesus Christ, and Holy Spirit. Um, and that's going to bother me that I don't know that. It's First Timothy, I think. Oh, you can put it in the show notes, girl. We're good. But yeah. And those words, I mean, the enemy has to flee what that looks like on a practical application. 
is instead say, you know what? These things are not from God. These feelings are not promises that I see in God's word. And these things seem to be dividing me from my husband. So I stand against that in the name of Jesus. And I say, God, fill me with your truth instead. Because sometimes we can read verses like that. And you're like, what, what, hold up. No one's modeled that to me. What does that look like? Dear people have modeled that to me. They continue to model that to me. And that can be really powerful when you're praying as, as Debbie's point here to, to pray instead of nagging. So for example, even just praying, Lord, I'm doing these things around the home or I'm doing these things for our family. And I've, you know, put together, um, all these financial records and sorted through this and filed things. And I just feel that nobody cares. And so I'm kind of stomping around the house about that until somebody says what's wrong. And instead, Lord, you know what I've done and I'm trying to be a good steward of what you've given us financially. I know that you see that. I pray that my husband would see that too, that I care for us and that I'm here doing things for us. starting with a conversation like that and the Lord will be gracious and show you that he does care. He wants us to be responsible. Right. Yes. Yes. There's a little takeaway that Debbie shares at the end. And I had to write it down to quote it, to continue to go back to, because I leave out my notes and my Bible throughout the day so that when I come back to our table, I review it again because I don't want to just eat in the morning. You know, I don't eat breakfast that doesn't sustain me through the whole day. I eat breakfast, lunch and dinner and four snacks in the afternoon. So I leave my Bible and notes out. And she says, the more you show him, the more you show your husband honor, the more he'll be a man of honor. And I thought, whoa, that blows me away. Mm -hmm. Because the more that we do that, the more that we can show our husbands that we love them and affirm the wonderful things that they are doing, they will like physically stand up taller. Their shoulders will Mm -hmm. go back and they will continue to walk in that. And so our words are really powerful. And those times when I think, our husband's being entrusted to us. That's a sacred relationship. We get to speak into them in ways that nobody else gets to. Not the people yeah. they work with, the people at the store, the people down the street. No, no. The things that we say are extra meaningful. So to handle those with great care and to speak honor over him and watch him change. Watch your marriage change because of the words that you share. Yeah. Simple, uh, simple, um, man, we watched documentaries on a tennis coach. I wish I could remember what it was called, but all he did was he would go into helping these tennis players and they became like these amazing tennis players. And he told the story of what he did and how he helped them become the tennis players they were. And it was completely upside down. Like God's kingdom is. And he, what he would do is he would see like this, this one story sticks out. He would see this tennis player get hesitant at this one thing, this one time that would always happen. She'd always like hesitate a little bit. And so he saw that. And instead of going up to her and saying, you're hesitating, like, why are you hesitating? When that happens, don't hesitate, do this. 
um, instead of saying that, he would tell her when that he would he'd flip the script, the exact opposite. He'd tell her. So when this happens, you are going in like a boss. You are ha- you you don't even hesitate. You just go in and boom, get kill it. Like got it, boom, awesome. And they would do it. <laughs> you know, it was amazing. Like so, this isn't about behavior change, no. But it is speaking life and it is showing respect um, because they are a child of God. And one of the things that can help you, because if you're listening, you're like, "Uh, no, like I don't want to show them respect. Um, Ask the Lord to give you the same eyes that he has for your husband. So help ask the Lord to help you tell him, tell the Lord that you want to see your husband, how he sees your husband. Just keep praying that. And I guarantee your heart will change. Um, also a little side note, if you're listening, this does not apply to abusive situations. So if your husband is abusive in any way, emotionally, verbally, sexually, spiritually, physically, you do not stay in that and respect him, hoping he's going to change. You go get counseling today. You need to find a safe route, um, because that is never okay. And God would never um, never want you to stay out of respect in that you need to get help and he needs to get healthy so that there can be a healthy restoration. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to say that as well. Um, right. That goes for all the, all the, um, insight we try to offer, um, always shared in light of that. So thank you. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Debbie. Such a good post. So at the end, um, you let me ask you a question that we don't always review ahead of time together. So sometimes I ask you silly ones and sometimes I ask you recipes, but I want to ask like, what does it look like when you and Chad pray together? Like, is it the set aside time you bow at a certain pew in your house? You, you know, all the children sit to the side. It's quiet. No, what's it like? Just talk to me. What's it really look like when you guys pray together? So we, I really like this question because it's like going to remove any kind of what's the word, like miss, what's the word? Like, um, what's, what's that word? Like compare, like the real, this is reality. This is reality. I am a heated woman and I am colorful. And so my prayers, I'm always, not always, typically, you know, like if you are in my car, I don't care if you're kids, friends or whatever, you're going to hear me praying out loud for something. And, and it's because I need it for my heart. I need the Lord to work in me all the time. So like oftentimes with us, um, we connect a lot, like without prayer, ch- chatting about our day, blah, 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 during the evening, like whatever. But then at night, I always, I have to, I do ask because, oh my gosh, we could spend a whole couple episodes. Maybe we should talk about this in March. Um, spiritual leadership. Okay. I ask my husband to pray for me at night because he typically doesn't um, initiate that on his own. So I don't care. I'm going to ask him to because I would like him to. And um, it's okay that he needs me. He, It's okay that I ask him to pray for me. So I'll ask him to pray for me. My prayers for him um, are are not like that. My prayers for him are literally like if he texts me or calls me and shares something difficult, which is happens a couple times a week. That's I just pray for him right in there. Lord, like 
whatever. I bring that need to the Lord right then and there on the phone, via text, whatever the whatever, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, we pr- I pray right there. That's what my prayers look like um, with in our marriage. So if we're sitting on our you know on the couch and he shares something with me, we just I, we pray right then and there. Um, it's just a signal. Pray. Um, so that's kind of how that looks for us. It's not. It's not like it's every day at six o'clock and we sit and we for for an hour straight. No, that's not how it, that's not how we do it. Um, and that's okay. So however it starts or however it looks too in your marriage, lean into that and and don't think that it's wrong or bad or not good enough too. But um, the the key is is that you're seeking the Lord together in some way and. And wanting to do that. That's the key. So what does it look like for you guys, Kelly? And together. I think together is the key there, right? So yeah. sometimes we do, um, we aim to sit down every morning at breakfast before school starts. And we have kind of Bibles and breakfast time because, you know, I like me some alliteration. So we have Bibles and breakfast. And uh, Mark reads a devotional, maybe a book that we have for the kids, what have you. And and then sometimes I'll ask, I'll say, Daddy, can you pray blessings over us? And he does. Other times the kids pray. But when Mark and I pray, you know, we have a lot of our important conversations standing in the bathroom. I don't know about you, but that's where life happens. Sometimes people think it's the kitchen. Not so much. So if he's standing in there like picking out his tie or something for the day and I'm drinking my coffee and voting, um, if he says, oh, I'm worried about this or I've got this coming up and, oh, I can, I'm anxious about it is essentially his words. Then I put my coffee cup down and I just hold out my hands and I do this, which is if you're not on YouTube and can't see us today, but I hold out my hands in front of me and I bow my head, which is like the cue for like, take my hands, go ahead. I'm ready to pray with you. Let's turn that worry into a war cry to the Lord and say, Hey, we're going to battle over this. Mm -hmm. And it also kind of signals like we've been talking for this about this for a while. And he'll do this back to me, which is a nonverbal way of saying, we've been talking about this for a while. And I'd rather not hear the complaints so much at the complaining so much as us asking the Lord to intervene here. So it's a Mm -hmm. gracious way that we have like, and let's stop talking. Let's go ahead and pray about that. Yes. So that, I mean, we've been married 12 years. And so that has kind of unfolded. So in a good moment, it looks like that. Um, you inspire me to pray aloud more for my kids and and even with their friends in the car. I like to start the day praying for a blessing. So even as we leave them, can I share this blessing with us as we go today? So May the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he go before you to show you the way, above you to guard and protect you, behind you to encourage you, and beside you as your best friend. May he be in you, filling you with his peace, his power, and his uncontainable joy. Hmm. That's a prayer that we, and a benediction of sorts from a mentor, we I try to pray in the van on the way to school with the kids each day. And Mm. I think that praying together is really powerful. And sometimes it can feel like a solo act, but praying together is, is powerful. It is. And research shows it, it reduces the rate of divorce actually from like what would be 50% to like, it's like a 
thousandth of a percentage. It's crazy. So it's not because divorce rates between non-Christian and Christian actually isn't that different. But what does make it different is um, a little bit is if the couple practices Christian faith together. So they're engaged in a local church. They are going to a Bible study. They It's not just like a side dish. They're actually engaged in their faith. And then, but the thing that makes a huge difference is that they pray together. So again, how does that look for you? Um, think through that. Ask, talk to your husband about that. And if your husband is not a Christian or not really sure wh- what he is, that's okay. What I encourage you, what we encourage you to do, ask your husband, would it be okay if I prayed for us together? Would, I, would it be okay if I prayed for you um, is it okay if um, you just listen? Like, I'm pretty sure he's not going to, I mean, it's pretty rare if he would say no, I would say that. So just, just encourage, I encourage you to do that. Pray with him, pray for him, pray over him um, in the moment and um, see what God does in his heart and just love on him. Wow. I love it. <laughs> and 44 years later, we'll be sharing the same advice. So thank you again, Debbie. Debbie, we love you. And ladies, head over again, awifelikeme.com for all the resources. If you want to take your faith and marriage deeper, join the A Wife Like Me Collective. Just go to collective.awifelikeme.com. We love you. And we'll be back next week with an all new episode with Kelly. Bye, everyone.